Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads. So, how do we get AI right? Well, we need the right volume of data and massive compute power. But with HPE GreenLake, we get access to supercomputing to power AI at the scale we need. Right. Search HPE GreenLake. This is the Secret Library Podcast. And I am somewhat shocked to share that this is now Season 7. While I was pondering the theme for this season, it felt difficult to narrow in on one thing that would be most useful to us in this moment, which has been so full of confusion, upheaval, turmoil, and stress. But then it came to me that writing is like this too. And after we get started, after we've been working on a project for a while, there is a point where we're uncertain and where we don't know what to do next. It's a point many of us call the murky middle. And it suddenly felt like exactly the right thing to talk about with an illustrious lineup of authors this season, both new debut writers as well as household names, in fact. My guest this week is Richard Osman who is an author, producer, and television presenter. Both his first novel, The Thursday Murder Club, and his second, The Man Who Died Twice, were one million copy international bestsellers, as well as New York Times bestsellers. He lives in London with his partner and Liesl the Cat. I am delighted to celebrate the release of Richard's third novel in The Thursday Murder Club with this episode. And such a treat to speak to someone about mystery, whether we write mystery or not. Not only that, but we look at how to write comedy, the struggle to make things funny, and his secret trick for how he accomplishes this. Such a joy to share this conversation with Richard Osman. Richard, it's such a treat to have you on the show. It's such a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. So I have a number. I have so many questions. It's which okay. one am I going to start with? But the first, I just have to give a shout out to how much I love reading your books because of having protagonists who are not 28 years old mm. about to make a major life choice. So I'm wondering if you can say a little bit about bringing older real main characters who are really driving the plot in a landscape where we don't see that as often at this point. 
Yeah, it's fascinating. We live we 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 live in a in a world where the cultural narrative is is, is sort of run by twenty five year old people, and it sort of leaves a wide open goal to write about these characters. You know, you've got these characters, my four characters. Um, they're all in their seventies. You know, they, they meet up to solve crimes, um, and they're so underestimated and overlooked and considered harmless and ignored by popular culture that I get the chance to write these heroes. And it seems like I'm doing something revolutionary. And of course I'm not, I'm not doing anything. I'm, I'm just writing about four people who happen to have had interesting lives, who happen to be wise, who happen to be quite unlikely friends. But there's this extra sort of kudos that says, thank you for challenging, you know, the, the normative thing. Again, I'm, I wasn't intending to challenge anything. I was intending to write about people I found fascinating. But it's interesting the outpouring of love they get and the outpouring of people just saying, thank God, you know, as you say, this is not somebody who has just met up with an old university friend and, you know, is not sure what direction her life is going to take. You know, these are, these are people who've seen it all and done it all. I mean, literally, in the case of someone like Elizabeth, I wonder if there's well, very mean, little she hasn't done. I She's kind of my hero. And she's made me, I've said repeatedly to my husband, who's also read the books, that we very much hope to end up in Cooper's Chase at some point. Oh, this is now please. our goal. I think you're going to have to go into the business of building Cooper's Chase because everybody wants to move in there now. I don't have to go into the business. That's the beauty. It exists. It's the real place. <laughs> it's based on where my mum lives. Oh, uh, is it? Is that how yeah. you discovered it? Oh, I love and, this. Um, so, you know, I would, I would go down there all the time. It's, and it's great. It's, it's like being at college, but you don't have any work to do. Right? Because all your mates are sort of somewhere nearby. The gossip is all the same. They start drinking at 11.30. <laughs> you know, all of that stuff is there. And anyone you ever take down there, we we, we did a film for, for, for the BBC News um, last week. They came down and filmed my mum and, you know, and filmed me talking about the book and, and this, that, the other. And they, like everybody, the moment they leave, they just go, how, how, how can you live here? How, how's, how, how, how can I, where do I apply? Where do I put my name? <laughs> everybody who goes there just goes, well, it's got a swimming pool, it's got a restaurant, everybody's having fun. Uh, it's, it's an amazing place. And listen, loneliness in old age and, you, you know, um, uh, being by yourself in old age is a, is, is a big issue. And just this thing where you've got your own property, but if you want to open your front door and sit on your patio and have a cup of tea, there's just people around you, which is a, which is, which is a joy. I can't promise murders. That's the one I know. I'm like, how do we get the murders as well, though? This is a well, key. Well, part listen, there's only one way to guarantee a murder now, isn't there? Oh, that is true. Is to commit and one that, yourself. That's to commit it, and so let's let's not go down that path. Yeah, let's not. I think that's, that's probably best. Great motivation, by the way, that's a great plot for a book, isn't it? It Someone is. Someone lives on, lives in a community that she thinks this would be an amazing. If only there were a murder here, it would really bring us all together. And the only way to get it done is to do it yourself. It's like you the know. DIY cozy. Yeah. It's like, let's let's activate this community. Well, just, you know what? Someone is doing it for the greater good. It's true. Well, that then sounds like um, hot fuzz when they're always chanting yes. the greater good, <laughs> the greater true. good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So I'm curious because your plot threads get increasingly complicated the more these books go on. And I'm wondering how you write them, like as you're writing them, because we bounce back and forth between a lot of, we're with a lot of different characters. And this one, we're yeah. in and out of prison, even we're, we're all over the place. And do you write them in the order in which we read them? Or do you write, do you hang with one storyline 
separately? How do you no. put them all together so you don't get completely muddled up? I do, do you know what? It's a really difficult question to answer because, because to me, the plots have got simpler and simpler. Uh, and to <laughs> me, I worry at the end of the book that it's too simple. Um, the thing, I think the thing that makes them look complicated or seem complicated, maybe, or seem, not even that, but, but seem multi-layered and interesting is, is the fact that I write very short chapters. Um, and I love, I love to read short chapters. I love to write them. Uh, and I've got seven or eight main characters, and I can write a story. I can write a chapter in in any of their guises. This is the truth. So for me, that entertains me when I'm writing. I think it entertains people um, when they're when 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 they're reading. But so I don't have a single like spider diagram on the wall or a post-it note anywhere on the wall with the plots. I just don't have. It. I've got it in my head. I know what I want to happen. I have the next five scenes written down. I'll write down on a bit of paper that the next five things I want to happen and, you know, from whom's perspective um, they are. Uh, but I know where I'm headed at the end. And as I go through, I, I, I think I sort of work out what I'm lacking. If I, if I get, if I'm on page 108 and I think, oh, well, I do need to emphasise this and I haven't emphasised that yet, so... I need to put this scene here now, and I so I, I just sort of feel it really rather than rather than plan it all out. I've never I've never been a planner, you know. I always just I always just try and go by the seat of my pants, and then the story surprises you a lot more often as well. But if if, if I've got everything planned out, you know, page ten, page twenty, page thirty, page forty, and I want to do something brilliant on page forty, but I think oh I can't because that's going to affect the thing on page two hundred and thirty, you know. I like to kind of go. I know the destination, so I know I know where we're getting off the train, and I know where we got on the train. That's my ticket. I know our tune, but in between, I like to just let the characters have a bit of fun, and then it just gives you because some days you you know to think that I would plot and plan it all now today. So I'm writing book four at the moment. If I were to plot it all through now, the thing about plots, I think, and the, the people might disagree who who who, who, are, who are listening. The thing about plots is something might happen to me in a week's time that gives me a better idea. Uh, and I want to have the freedom to be able to then put that in the book and to make the book feel more current. You know, I don't want to think, oh, that's annoying. Uh, I'll, I'll save that for another book. So I don't, I'm, I'm not on train tracks at all, even though I, I, I know I'm heading from A to B. I think that's important because particularly with mystery, I am always curious if people know who has done it <clears> from the beginning. And yeah. it seems to me the camp is fairly split. Some people yes. know who did it from the beginning and some people don't, or they had planned for one person to do it and they get yeah. well through and they're like, oh my God, they didn't do it. It wasn't them. Well, here's, I, here's honestly what, what I think the secret is there. Cause I'm, mm -hmm. I'm sort of half and half, to be honest. In my head, I know who did it, but mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not averse to changing my mind. But the whole point with a mystery, I think, is that every everyone has to be a convincing suspect. Okay, so I'm writing it as if anyone could have done it. So actually, if I change my mind very late on in the day about who did it, I don't actually have to go back and change anything because I've made everyone a suspect anyway. You know, I might go back and add a little something extra. I might take a few bits and bobs out, but I'm not suddenly going to have to, you know, someone's not in scene three going to prove that they didn't do it somehow, and then I've got to say, oh, shit, they did. You know, the whole point is everybody is a suspect all the way through. And therefore, it's sort of, if you get towards the end, 
see that's the thing is that you if you get to the end and you know you sort of think okay i've reached my final destination but then you suddenly go hold on a minute what if that was a bluff you know what if that whole plot was a bluff and and you know and actually person x did it then great you don't have to change a single word you know you just have to add a bit at the end what you go oh no hold on a minute that was all a bluff this person did it but you're not cheating anyone because you set everyone up as a suspect anyway so I, I think it's a sort of false dichotomy i think that um i think you can decide if it is or you can't decide if it is the writing process i think is identical i mean i think that makes sense because a good victim is one that a lot of people want to take out like ian yeah. bentham in book one yeah if That's something right. hadn't taken him out i was tempted to do it myself with can, his- I, can, I, can i tell you as, as an aside on ian bentham so mm. he's this character and uh, I, named, I named him after someone I knew. Uh, I've, I've got a friend of mine who's a, who's a professor, who's a professor of discourse and semantics uh, at, a, at a university here. So he's fascinated with, you know, language and, you know, signifiers and signified and all that kind of stuff. And he said, um, he said, I thought it was really interesting, the, um, the, the sort of very postmodern way that you named him. I said, what? He invented me. He goes, yeah, it, he thought he thought it's called um, I invent them. He said, "Yeah, I just thought it was called I, I invent them," and so that's like a, you're saying that you're an author and you can kill off people that you invent. And you're like, "Okay, I didn't. That's that is that is not what that is not what I thought." But it's fascinating. Well, you what learn you things from your readers all the time. That is hilarious. I did not think of that because, of course, I don't think of it as iron, but. No, me either. I, just, I mean, to me, that's that's that, that's lunacy. But that, that's like listen. There's something in there for everyone, isn't there? With 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 a book, you know. I've read books loads of times where I've taken things to mean a certain thing, which they probably didn't. But if it meant a certain thing to me at a certain time, then great. Yeah, when you're, I think that's the beauty of putting it out is that you get the reader reaction. And the one yeah. that I am really curious about, because the other thing that your books are, which I find is very difficult to accomplish is they're very funny. So there's so many funny moments in it. And I'm wondering how it is to be sat by yourself working on a book. Mm. Are you just chuckling away by yourself writing no. Joyce's diaries, which is a particular <laughs> source of joy to me? I mean, or, is, or do you have to work with it and play with it to be like, oh yeah, that's fun. <laughs> here's, 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 and this is genuinely, are you mm-hmm. right? Would you like some water or something? I have some, thank you very much. Okay. Um, Here's the secret to it. You know, I, I love crime fiction, always love crime fiction. The one thing that's very hard is, is, is comic crime fiction because jokes take you out of a situation and that's not what I want. I want people to be immersed. So right from second one, scene one of book one, I did not set out to write a funny book. I'm setting out to write a serious book. I'm not, there's not a single one-liner in the whole thing, right? There's not a single set-up punchline in any of the books. But listen, it's... it's it's my default option in my head. And as I'm writing scenes, the characters, all of the humor, all of the laughs, all of the jokes come from genuine character. It comes from the response of someone genuine to a genuine situation. So yes, they do make me laugh because you know, you know, you'll send someone in with a gun and then Joyce says something which sort of which to me feels unexpected. And so I'm laughing because it's funny, but at the same time, I'm not saying, oh, look, here's a here's a, here's a writer telling you a joke. Right, I'm literally just saying this is how Joyce responds to a guy with a gun walking in, into the room. So the key, I think, to making them funny is to have characters who who uh, have a have a particular view of the world, have a particular take uh, on the world, which again is sort of easier when they're in the seventies because 
they give much less of a toss of what anyone thinks about them, you know, and by and large, they'll tell you the first thing on their mind, which is always a funny characteristic. Um, and so the secret to them being funny is me desperately trying not to be funny at all times. That's all the way through the book. I think it's totally funny. Don't do a joke. Don't do a joke. Don't do a joke. Uh, and then but occasionally the characters do one and uh, and I, I have to let them. Yeah, I think particularly Joyce, I mean, I believe her. Everything she says, I believe. I mean, all of them. I believe what they're all saying. They're all completely themselves. But I guess that is, yeah, it's the, the way that someone who is not caring what anyone else thinks. Yeah. And and also just at a certain age, it's sort of like, what what's the worst you can do to me? And listen, and here's, here's, here's an interesting thing about Joyce. If, if, if we're talking about writing, if we're talking about plotting and stuff like that, because one, one of the problems of plotting, of course, is, is, is the reader getting lost here? Do, does the reader remember the stuff that I need them to remember? Because, you know, when my solution comes out, there are certain things that I can't just have mentioned at the time. You know, you have to sort of play fair with the reader and let them remember stuff. And now with Joyce, because she does these diaries, uh, and also because her brain, which is my brain, of course, I recognise that, uh, <laughs> is very discursive and it goes all over the place. And it can go from what she just had for tea to, you know, her travelling up to London with a gun in her handbag to what's on television to, you know, she can she can cover pretty much anything. And that, that is very, very useful when writing a mystery because if I ever have any mopping up to do, and you know what I mean by mopping up, mm-hmm. just occasionally where you just think, no, I just need to, I need to make, need to hammer this home, clear this up. Joyce can do all of it in a chapter because the way that she speaks, it's not surprising that she goes from one thing to another very, very quickly. And she's able to go, well, this happened yesterday. I don't know what I think about it. I wonder if this is the case. I wonder if that's the case. And oh, tomorrow I'm going to do X. You know, and that is very centering for a book. And certainly for a plot that has any complications in it, it's incredibly useful to, you know, we've, we've all read clunky exposition in our time in these books. And actually, normally when you see clunky exposition, you think, oh, that's where you've hidden the clues. Because otherwise, why, why is this in the book? I mean, there's, there's no reason for it to be there. Whereas Joyce can do exposition in the guise of just being charming and, you know, sort of just thinking at the top of her head. And you can hide so much in what she does. So having that diary thing, which is not uncommon in, 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 in mystery novels, but it's incredibly useful uh, to, you know, anytime I feel the thread is unraveling, you know, Joyce comes along, ties a little knot in it for me and makes us laugh at the same time. So she sort of, you know, it's, it's, it's win-win. Was that a happy accident or did you plan for her to be that all along? It's entirely a, a complete accident. Do you know what? So I tell you why why I started writing her diary things, and this is again, if if, if anyone's writing the very first thing or, or really struggling with things, I always wanted to write a crime book. Okay? I always wanted to, um, and we all know the initial obstacles to writing a novel, and one of them, of course, is who on earth do I think I am? Who on earth do I think I am to the, to, to say what the sky looks like? Right? How can I say John walked down the road? The sky was as blue as a duck's egg. You know, it's like, you know, who cares what I think about what the sky looks like? You know, so that thing of having an authorial voice is incredibly crippling because you just think, well, I don't deserve an authorial voice. I haven't earned an authorial voice because who am I? And the second I thought, no, I, I can write a chapter in, a, in, in the third person uh, and I can write someone 
who is sort of trying to write. And she can say, oh, I sort of thought I was going to start talking about what the colour of the sky was, but I don't think that's interesting, is it, to anyone? So, in fact, I'm going to tell you what I have for tea, you know, and suddenly go, oh, okay, that's a voice that I can handle. That's a voice that I can deal with. And that was the thing that really unlocked the whole writing process for me. Uh, having somebody else tell a bit of the story then gave me the confidence to, to, to tell the rest of the story. Um, but it, I really remember it was that thing I was thinking about somebody walking down a road uh, under a clear blue sky wearing a green coat and thinking, what business is it of mine to describe any of those things? You know, who, who cares about my description of someone in a, in a green coat? But as soon as I'm in someone else's head, it's great. So she, she, she was my surrogate that, uh, that, that allowed me to write. Does that, does that make sense? It absolutely does. It's almost like trying on a costume of yeah. being inside the book. And then yeah. once the book exists, this feeling of who am I to write a book, it's too late because the book is already there. Well, I mean, that's the perfect way of putting it. Yeah, it's too late because that's the trouble. You, you, have to, you, you have to creep up on yourself. You know, you have to fool yourself into writing a book, you know, and you just, you know, and at the end just go, ah, oh, I can't believe you tricked me into writing a whole book. How dare you? <laughs> and, you know, as you say, then, then it's too late and, it, and, and it's out there. And then when people read the first one, they tell you you're an author. You think, oh, oh, okay. Oh, perhaps I am now. But it was never, yeah, you never flick the switch. Before. I don't think you can flick the switch that says I'm an author until someone reads you, I think. And then has that changed now that you're on writing book four? So there's three out now. Yeah. I am honestly envious of anyone who hasn't read any because then you get to read three before you run out. Because when you find a book and you love the characters, you know, you read the whole thing and you think, <gasps> mm. and of course it takes oh. us, I think I read the second one literally in one day. Oh, did you? I did nothing else. I told my husband to buzz off. I just was like, get out of my <laughs> face. You can't have it till I'm finished. He's like, well, you better read it fast then. And uh, I did. But again, but that's, that's a beautiful yeah. chapter, right? Well, it's um, also, I mean, I know it didn't take you one day to write it. So, no. you know, it's, that's, that's the like unfair thing. Meat, isn't it? You, you can be cooking all day and people take people 20 minutes to eat it. And you think, oh God, that's, I wish it, I wish it was as yeah, significant to eat as it was to make. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I, I think that some, you know, it's, it's, it's lovely for me to write a series. You know, I, I, when I see people who have successful first books and then have to write a successful second book that's completely different, I'm like, how do you? Go up and out. So that. hard, you know. How do, how do you make lightning strike twice? Whereas, coming from a TV background, you know that's my my background as TV presenting and TV producing. Um, you know, if I've got a format or a show that people love, then I'm going to do another series next year, and I'm going to keep doing a series until people are bored of it. Uh, and for, and for books, it's the same thing. I, I I couldn't have written the Thursday Murder Club and then thought, oh, I'll leave those characters and I'll go and do something else. You know, I had I had more business with them. You know, it's, it's, if you watch episode one of Ozark, right, you think, right, I'm going to watch episode two, and then I want to watch season two, and season three, and season four. So in Teddy, we're used to it in books. So many people write these amazing novels, and then you think, oh, okay, that's that finished. Let me write another one. You think, no, write more, write more of that one, you know? Yeah, you're heartbroken. We love that one. As a reader, it's so yeah. hard to walk away. I think this is why readers love series so much as well it's like if you get attached to somebody you don't want to say goodbye to them but that's exactly right i think writers do i think readers do i'm going to write another series as well but again, you know people write standalones and i'm like i couldn't i couldn't put all that work in but just but, but, but just one shot i couldn't do it you know 
I'll write, I'll write the first one in a series, and if people don't like it, great. Then suddenly it'll be, it'll be a standalone. Uh, but You're like, I planned that the whole time. Yeah, exactly. That was the idea. I know there were cliffhangers, but that, that, that was deliberate, was stylistic. Um, so yeah, I love if people love the characters and I like writing the characters, then you know I can do four or five years with those characters in the same way that I would if I if I was Vince Gilligan making Breaking Bad. You know, that's my life for a while is those characters and that story. And and I, I sometimes think a lot of authors don't think that way. In crime, it's more common. In crime, yeah, we love we we love our returning detectives. Yeah, exactly. I think, well, I was very happy to get to the end. I mean, you've confirmed it saying you're writing the fourth, but there was a clear bridge towards another adventure building. Yeah, And And that's just so satisfying to finish something knowing, ooh, there's going to be more coming. Oh, there'll always be more with me. Uh, (laughs) Excellent. I'm going to hold you to it. Yeah, and the, but the interesting thing about the Thursday Murder Club, because they're not traditional detectives, they're not a detective agency. Mm-hmm. And so it's actually quite hard to keep the plot up without suddenly being random, without it being like murder she wrote, and you know, it's it's mm-hmm. the, the death of the week, and they turn up, and that's that's not what I want to do. And so the first four books are all sort of a continuum continuum of each other, and the events of the first book lead to the events of the second, and so on. And the fact that the first book exists is the thing that sets them on the path for this sort of mayhem that they, they, they go through for the next three. And, you know, the next series of books I want to write, I really, really want to have a traditional detective. I want to have someone who can sit in an office, have someone knock on the door and say, here's your plot for this book. Mm. Take your plot, please. Do you know what I mean? Because it, it's that to me. And then I, can, then I can sort of do anything. I can take any plot from anywhere in the world. And just like if people like the detectives, and I've got a detective duo in the next one, um, then I can go anywhere in the world and do anything and have any sort of crime. And so Thursday Murder Club is much more of a character piece and much more of a world. Uh, it's like um, um, like the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but for, but for people <laughs> in the 70s. Uh, and it'd be lovely to have a series that is, it'd be lovely to be Poirot and to be able to yep. sit in your office and someone tell you that someone's stolen a jade scorpion, you know? Right, and then you got to figure out what happens. Although you yeah, do sound like you're sending them... They're sending them on a plane somewhere in the fourth book for a Thursday Motor Club cast. Uh, I may, there, there will be air travel involved in the fourth book. I did there catch that. Air. I did catch that one. And I can't, I can't wait. I can't wait to get in there and to see, you know, the difference of exploring different types of mystery because as a lifelong mystery lover, it is just such a treat to read one that feels like it was fun to write which it seems like it was for you. Yeah, that's it. I'm, 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 I'm reading an old Agatha Christie at the moment um, towards zero. And you sort of, it feels like she's having fun when she's writing it. And we've all written enough to know that, that, that a lot of it is not fun. <laughs> but that actually the fun stuff is the stuff that, that ends up on the, in the book. You know, the stuff that ends up in the book are the good days the days where you're enjoying it, the days where it's singing, the days where your characters are having a good time. And the days where it's a struggle, they, you don't see them. Um, and so it's lovely, yeah. And the, the more books I write, the fewer struggle days I have. So I suppose the more fun it is. It still feels really hard. It's, still, it's, yeah, really it's, never, it's never easy, is it? But I think it's... I wish it would be. I think just the thought that we're allowed to have fun doing this it's like as writers you spend a lot of time working on a story as we said that people can consume very quickly so why not 
try to make the experience fun for yourself as well. As the well, my, 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 my big trick for that as well is, you know, you, you have to bring in characters to do with your plot and also occasional ancillary characters just to, just, just to sort of help your plot along. Uh, and every time, I think, just bring someone who's going to be fun to write into this. Well, you, you got know, two uh, in this one. You got two new juicy Juicy yeah, characters who missed were so fun and add add to the dynamic really well. So I thought, but, ooh, that yeah. must have been fun to bring them in. But it's great. But, you know, I, 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 I sort of think if an actor was cast in this role and they read the book, would they go, oh, that's a good, that's, I would love to play that character, you know? Mm. And if it's just someone who's a, who's, who's a cipher, then they wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, okay, I might sort of play a lawyer and he's a bit bad, but... You know, I, I, I think what, how would some, if someone reads it who's acting would just say, oh yeah, even if it's two scenes, I would love to play that character. That looks like great fun. And that's how I entertain myself when writing. If I, as you say, there's some new characters in this new book. There's a, a former KGB colonel called Victor uh, in the book. And my, so I, he's got to be in the book for the plot. There's all sorts of reasons. And, uh, but the second I was writing the very first scene with him, you have like broadband providers in America, right? Yeah. Yeah, and it's and it, and it's a pain to deal with them, right? It's a pain to deal with them everywhere in the world, as far as I'm concerned. Good. So I was thinking, one thing I wanted to get across about Victor is he can persuade anyone to do anything, right? That's his skill, right? His skill is persuading you of something, you know, taking you into his confidence and persuading you something is your idea. So that's that's his characteristic. Now, there's a world in which you just say that. You just say, oh, Victor's big skill is he can persuade anyone of anything. Uh, but I thought the first time we ever meet him, I thought, what can I have him do that shows that this man can literally persuade anyone of anything? And so the thing I have is his broadband is down and he needs to get an engineer yes. out that afternoon, you know, yes. which of course is impossible. And the man on the phone is saying, I'm so sorry, we can't. And by the end of the scene, of course, he's persuaded. Yes, he has. And as soon as you have that scene, first you think that, you know, that resonates. But secondly, you think, okay, this guy can persuade anyone of anything. So you, you, yes. your entire job there is done. That's, that's, uh, that's show, don't tell, and, and have fun at the same time. Wonderful. Well, it's been great fun to speak to you. I'm sure we could keep talking for ages, but it's been such a, a treat to have you on. And everyone get into this series, especially the latest, The Bullet That Missed. I know you'll have great fun reading it. Oh, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite show? Good news. Ad-free listening on Amazon Music is included with your Prime membership. Just head to amazon.com slash ad-free fitness to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Enjoy thousands of ACAST shows ad-free for Prime subscribers. Some shows may have ads.